Well, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, as I said, I spent uh, five days uh, last week being in charge of games from 9 a.m. until till noon. Uh, I found out that, uh, I remember my days as a vicar, as again, my first call, I was able to like get in with the games and have fun with the kids. I found out now that I'm more of a supervisor age as my knees were screaming at me. And actually then uh, Friday and Saturday, I thought that I had just strained my voice. It turns out I've come down with a bit of a cold. So we're going to get through today's sermon. It's going to be awesome. All right. So bear with me if I don't have my usual verve and pizzazz that I might normally have. But is that what you're, yeah. Luke was wondering why I wasn't quite as vervy and pizzazzy. So, well, let's go to God in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you uh, for this chance to be here and to worship you. Lord, I thank you for everybody who's gathered here, everybody online. I pray that they are impacted uh, by this, this Sunday morning, this time to, to come together and worship. Lord, I thank you for the chance to share your message, and I pray that it is your message. I pray that you speak, that you move me out of the way, Lord, because I need you to speak. I'm not sure how much I have left, Lord, so I trust in you. We thank you and we praise you for who you are and everything you give us. In your name, amen. Now, we are uh, closing out a sermon series talking about dangerous prayers. It's kind of loosely based on a uh, book and Bible study by Craig Groeschel, um, but it's the idea that oftentimes in our prayer life, we're a little tame as Christians. We, we like to play it safe. And the idea of the dangerous prayer, they're prayers that we should be praying, maybe we even are praying but not thinking of the repercussions, um, they really should be part of our Christian life. We talked about the very first week on Pentecost, how, how the Holy Spirit is at work in our world and through us um, and, and calling upon him in prayer, calling upon that spirit. The next week we talked about being bold leaving behind our comfort zone, leaving behind that safe space and saying, God, make me bold. Last week, we talked about that prayer, God, speak to me. I think that's one that we actually do pray, but sometimes we're not quite ready for God to speak back, right? When we say, like, God, well, what's supposed to happen? And maybe we're even saying, God, I want you to affirm this decision that I've already made just so I feel better about it. But in reality, if you ask God to speak, you may not always like the answer. But today's message, today's dangerous prayer might be the most dangerous of all because it truly has the potential to change your entire life, to actually make your life more difficult, um, to make your life with more frustrations, and yet so much fulfillment, so much purpose. Today's prayer that we are talking about is, God, break my heart. There's a, a popular uh, contemporary worship song that says, break my heart for what breaks yours, everything I am for your kingdom's cause. And that idea of our heart breaking for what breaks God's heart is powerful. And it's kind of contrary to the, the modern Christian life. Uh, we see a lot of, of pastors, a lot of churches out there that do kind of encourage the, the safe prayer, right? Our prayers are like, Lord, bless me. Lord, make my life easier. 
Lord, give me the wisdom to talk into this situation. Lord, let, let all the lights be green today. Let me have the best parking spot. Let, let my hair sit just whatever it is, right? We have these very safe prayers, and unfortunately, there are a lot of, of pastors who will push that. But, but the idea of, Lord, break my heart. It's as Christian as it comes. If you look at being Christian as following Jesus, following the ministry of Jesus Christ, right? Christian, following Christ. And this idea of praying, God, break my heart, what you're essentially saying is, God, I may be a little too comfortable. I maybe am a little too safe. What in this world, Lord, do I need to see and have compassion for? Because when it comes to compassion, when Jesus has compassion throughout the Gospels, he never just has compassion. It always goes a step further, and he takes action. See, when Jesus has, has compassion over somebody who is sick, he doesn't say, oh, poor them. Well, that's that. No, he heals. He doesn't have compassion for the hungry and walk away. No, he feeds. He has compassion for people, and then he does something about it. He has compassion for us, and then he does something about it. See, when you have compassion, when you, your heart breaks for something, it means that you are moved into action. It means that, that you have something in your life that is hitting you in such a real way that you can't even imagine not doing anything about it. God, break my heart. The, we're going to reference uh, Jeremiah which he was known kind of as the weeping prophet because he, he kind of had this somber tone. As he looked out, he talked about how his heart breaks. In fact, he says, my grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and I'm overcome with grief. See, he, he was praying because he saw the hurt of his people. He saw as people were struggling and it hurt him. He felt that compassion. Just so we're clear, when I say break my heart, I'm not saying like, God, give me like a spiritual hobby. Give me a little activity that I might be slightly passionate about, right? This is something bigger than that. This isn't just like you see a homeless guy, nah, maybe I have a couple extra pennies, here you go, buddy. No, actually the word that comes alongside this level of compassion in Greek is splachnizomai. That's a $10 word right there, splachnizomai. Uh, splachnizomai is, it actually comes from the root of your internal organs. It is a physical feeling of despair associated with seeing somebody else suffer. You probably have something like this already in your life. For me, like I love animals, and I've talked about it before, when those ASPCA commercials come on and the little dogs are trembling inside their crates in the shelter, it's like, oh, oh there it is. Get out the checkbook. We're uh, I'm moved to do something here, right? Maybe for you there's something else, right? But it's not just a little hobby. It's not just this little feeling. No, it, it's black nidzami. It's at your very core. It is saying, God, break me and help me to do something about this. There is a challenge alongside of it. Now, there are a lot of churches, a lot of pastors who will challenge you to, to pray for blessings, who will say, if you pray, you will be blessed, right? They've got all the fun little, little rhymes and name it and claim it, see it and be it, all these different things that are out there, right? Make you feel good about yourself, right? But that's not what we're talking about today. No, when we say break my heart, we're saying, God, help me to be frustrated. 
Help me to be moved into action. Help me to, to be called into doing something. What if God's greatest blessings are on the other side of God's greatest breakings? What if the greatest blessings you'll experience are on the other side of some brokenness that you experience? I've got a buddy, Kevin, I've talked to him about before, he lives in St. Louis, and when he was in high school, just graduated from high school, 18 years old, um, he was walking around downtown St. Louis, and he, he saw a bunch of homeless people. Um, as, as often is the case for us, right, for so many of us, we see, we're like, oh, okay, I'm going to go around, go the different way. No, for Kevin, he felt moved, he had that splachnizomai to do something about it. So he got in his truck, he went over to McDonald's, and he bought as many $1 cheeseburgers as they could. And he went back to that place where all the homeless people were, and he sat down in the bed of his truck and started passing them out. Years later, he had built a ministry for the homeless that was so big and so successful that I kid you not, the city of St. Louis asked him, how do you do what you do, and can you teach us? The government of St. Louis recognized that this, this kid had better planning and better execution, better ministry to the homeless in the area than they could ever fathom. He had a passion. His heart broke for this situation. He saw them not as junkies, not as people to be overlooked, not as people who weren't worthy of love, but instead he saw them as people that he could reach out to. Maybe you have something similar in your life that's just kind of been eating away at you and you lose sleep when you think about it, but it's a lot easier to just ignore it. It's a lot easier to just stay safe about it. And it's probably different for each of us. That's the beauty of the body of Christ, right? Because when it comes to that homeless ministry, I helped Kevin out with that ministry. But for me, the passion wasn't necessarily the homeless, but instead he had so many young people, high schoolers that would help him out. And my passion was for them. My passion was for helping them to find their identity and their purpose within ministry. And of that group, like I want to say it's three or four of them have gone on to ministry from their professional ministry. And for me, that is so fulfilling. There is so much purpose in that. And you, you may have something different. Maybe you have a different splachnizomai. Maybe you want to help out. Um, you want to help out among the homeless. You want to help out among the, the needy in the community. You can go to MAM, Memorial Area Ministries. They would love to have more help in that regard. Maybe uh, you have a prayer and, and a need for, for single mothers, and you want to help them out. Maybe your passion is for the unborn, and you look back at this past week, you're like, okay, yeah. Guess what? The work just began. Now the hard work begins where you start dealing with young women who are afraid, young women who are scared, and you can help them. Remember, Jesus didn't come on a war horse. He didn't rely on the government. Jesus came on the donkey, humble, to share compassion. Maybe the thing that you feel this splachnizomai is somehow twisting and manifesting into telling people how wrong they are. Let me say this. When Jesus was confronted by a woman caught in adultery, caught in adultery, no question as to what was happening there. She was breaking the sixth commandment, and the religious leaders were ready to give her her just punishment. What did Jesus do? He didn't point the finger and say, you miserable woman, don't you know? Don't hear the statistics about the things that you've done. This is terrible. No, he condemned those who were condemning her. And then he knelt down. It says that he wrote in the, in the sand, and I always picture the fact that that means he lowered his eye level. 
and he looked at her, and he offered her grace and mercy and love. When all she knew was condemnation and judgment, he offered her mercy. And yes, then and only then did he say, go and sin no more. See, we as Christians are called to compassion. And that compassion has to manifest into action. Or else it's just a feeling. Or else it's just a thought as you're sitting at the red light. Like, if I had any change, I'd give this guy some. The compassion that we have that we learn from Jesus means leaving behind our comfort zone. Leaving behind safety. Being in church shouldn't just be happening in this room. This is great. This is wonderful that we can come together and sing songs and and all that. that. That's all well and good. But being a Christian means listening to the great commission from Jesus himself. Go, therefore, and make disciples reaching out into this world, sharing the hope and the love that can be found only in Christ. Everybody has their different passion, their different splechnidzomai. One of them for me is, is seeing young people, seeing as they look at the church and they're turned away. Because they look and they see an organization that has become about bickering, an organization that's become about division, an organization that's more about supporting politics than actually sharing love. They look at the church and they see a place where it's just a club and they don't feel that they belong. But if we were sharing compassion, if we were sharing hope because they want to know hope, they want to have this reaching out spiritually, they want to know something bigger than this broken world, if we were doing that, we just might have a chance to connect and share the message of Jesus Christ. I had the chance recently to go to Rothko Chapel here in Houston. I don't know if any of you have been, um, but it's supposed to be like an interfaith, non-denominational, spiritual building. And I went in, it's very modern, and it's basically just kind of a squarish room with, um, you would maybe call them pews, benches there. There were some, some cushions on the ground for meditation, um, and it was very quiet, very peaceful. But at the same time, the decoration on the wall, there were huge canvases that were just painted black. And it occurred to me, like, this is a place that people are coming. And there were other people in there. there were, and to be honest, they were, most of them were young. And they were in there and they were doing whatever their form of prayer was. They're coming in because they want to find something bigger than this broken world. But it was not a place of hope. When the walls are bleak, when the walls are decorated with black cloth, like how is that something that brings us hope? And as a Christian, I just want to say, hey, guess what? You have a God who knows you, who loves you. Yeah, he knows about the mistakes of your life, but he loves you so much that he was willing to do something about it. He has compassion so much that he was willing to put action to it. That's hope that this world isn't it. This isn't the end of the story, that there's so much more waiting for us that we don't earn. We are given freely by the grace of God. That's the compassion that we should be sharing. That's the purpose of the church. Oh, it's great to sit in Bible studies. It's great to sing the songs. But in the end, what we should be doing is sharing the gospel every single chance we get. Splachnidzomai, let it break our hearts that there are people who don't know hope in this world and in your lives. Let's be honest. There are probably some people in your life that you're very close to who, mm, do they go to church? Do they know God? Eh, I don't know. 
May we be moved to compassion for them. May we be moved to action, to actually do something about it. To go, therefore, and make disciples. Yeah, it'd be really easy to just ignore all this. It'd be really easy to see the commercials for the ASBCA, to to drive past the homeless people, to see as people protested and were angry and afraid and trying to latch on to anything that they possibly can. It'd be really easy to just ignore and say, well, that's their problem. That doesn't really affect me. But it's better to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. May we hurt with a purpose, just as Christ did. Just as Jesus of Nazareth, who walked on this earth some 2,000 years ago, and he set his eyes to Jerusalem because he knew what was waiting for him. And that is the work that would set us free. The action that would offer us something so much more than this world. So, may our prayer be that God breaks our heart and that we'll be bold enough to respond, to listen to as God speaks to us and that we'd put it to action, trusting in him above all else. May God's grace be upon us and work through us every day. Amen.